You're listening to the Conversations Podcast, brought to you by Cypress Creek Church. Because I think when we do a really good job of listening, not only do we just get the face value words, but you begin to see and understand the motivation or the stories or maybe even some hurt or some hangups and things that are happening behind the scenes that are that we don't get that full picture. And so if we become really good listeners, one, that people understand we care. And then two, there's so much to be learned through being a good listener. And that puts us in a position of humility, of valuing someone else as greater than ourselves, that we are not the ultimate authority on these things, and that we have something that shows someone else that we have something to learn from them. Welcome to Conversations Podcast. I'm Taylor, and it is a privilege and honor to be joined as always, by two special guests. First, we have JD with us, the Crosstalk Pastor, one and only. JD, thanks for being here. So good to be here. And we're joined by Lead Pastor Jose Avaroa. Always good to be here. Always good to have you. We are continuing Kingdom Manifesto series, talking about the Sermon on the Mount and how to build our lives, and not just hearing about it, but putting it into practice. And so... Like every week, Jose, I'd love to give you kind of the first word about what were your thoughts as you prepared for this. And maybe I know a lot of these passages we've heard, kind of if you've grown up in the church, you've heard these before, but maybe yeah. what's something that stood out to you or something new that you took away? Oh, this, boy. This week? Well, every week is a challenge when you prepare, you pray, you study for upcoming Sunday. Um, this week, I really had to make sure that I wasn't getting ahead of myself because I didn't want to say something that I don't really do well. And judgment is something that we all struggle with. And um, more so, like, we're I'm, we're speaking at a church where the world already coins the church as being this judgmental person. So I would say the new thing that I not only learned, but I was relieved and challenged by was uh, recognizing that judgment is not, it's not bad. In fact, we it's not whether or not we judge, it's how we judge that we really need to focus in on. And, and uh, I, I do believe that Jesus is rather clear about how to do that. Um, so yeah, a lot more there, but I'm sure. Oh, we'll get into it. Absolutely. So one of the points uh, kind of early on, Jose, you mentioned as far as good versus bad judgment, that's kind of mm-hmm. what you were just touching on here. And so um, I'd love to kind of unpack that a little further, JD, with you as well, as we talk about, I mean, one of the notes I have written here is just, Jose, what you're talking about with the world and how there is this sense that all judgment is bad. And so I'd love to kind of start there first by just kind of saying how as believers, how as Christians can we model um, just the difference in that as far as how do we navigate a culture and friendships and relationships where anything that's seen as judgmental is immediately wrong. Right, right. It's it's hard because the culture is saying that there is no absolute truth. And so it's all relative. And I think the balance here, I didn't say this yesterday, but maybe I would if I get the second chances. The balance is relativism on one side. So there's relative truth. It all depends on your circumstance, your own experience, your own truth versus legalism on the other side. You know, this strict uh, way of seeing things, well, you got to fall under this or that, or else, you know, you'll feel less than. And I think what Jesus is getting at is that posture of being um, over someone is what's inappropriate. That's bad judgment. When we think ourselves higher than another person, when we make uh, that person feel guilty, not convicted, but really guilty, that's not our role. That's um, between them and the Lord and guilt is not from from the Lord. And the second is, yeah, feeling condemned. So 
Um, the good judgment is evaluating and discerning. So recognizing, okay, what does God say about this in my life and somebody else's life and making sure that that's the standard of absolute truth, not our experience, but God's word. Yeah, I would piggyback off that. We actually talked a bit about this at Crosstalk last Thursday, um, which is a very interesting kind of, it was beautiful on Sunday morning because (laughs) crosstalk.net or the Crosstalk Messages podcast. (laughs) Um, But uh, talking about this last Thursday and then hearing you yesterday, Jose, kind of tying all those things together has been really helpful for me. Mm -hmm. And the thing that I have really been struck with is this idea that people have to come to us on our terms And we can't expect someone who does not know Jesus to live and act and speak the way that we, with having the Holy Spirit, think, act, and speak. And so we can't place undue expectations on other people. And I think that's oftentimes how we get into bad judgment is Mm -hmm. we superimpose what we believe someone should be about or we believe, and we do have the tension there because there is there is truth, like yeah. absolute truth. But when we have have lost the ability to empathize mm-hmm. and find compassion for others, we often stand in a position over someone as opposed to empathizing, having compassion, and walking alongside someone as we pursue the path to truth. Yeah, I think that that's even just something in my own life when I think about how quickly it is for me to judge uh, either a certain person or a group of people, it really comes out of that. Like I can I can try to focus on how I say things, but ultimately if my heart is just not wanting what's best for them, then I'm, I'm just not going to get there. Mm-hmm. And so that's something that, uh, Jose, you mentioned, just even the idea of our world needs more people for others instead of against them. So how have both of you been able to navigate as you meet people, people that uh, some people are easy to love, some people are more difficult to love or even just understand. So how do you kind of be a person that is just always for those around you versus uh, getting into those traps of just kind of judging and being against the people around you? Yeah, I love that we're going deeper on this because in applicable, thank you, Taylor, for always uh, keeping us accountable (laughs) to that. Yeah, for me, uh, I think naturally we it's harder to understand someone that you don't have a lot in common with. So be it culture, how you grew up, your upbringing, uh, language that you speak, right? You just can't understand someone that doesn't speak the same language. And so uh, curiosity is a big key. Asking questions, uh, figuring out why they act the way they do. Um, I mentioned yesterday the the whole you know, concept of the log in our own eye is not something that we necessarily put there, but sometimes it's the sins of others that hurt us. And so when we're curious, then we understand more why they're acting in that way. It's definitely the case in my life when I take personal responsibility for my actions. I'm like, why am I acting this way? Oh, well, there's deeper stuff there that God wants to heal, that God wants uh, to give me. So curiosity is a great tool to um, use on others and that provokes us to be more compassionate. Yeah, I, I would piggyback off of that and saying that the powerful reminder to me is always that I don't have the full picture. Mm-hmm. That if I believe that I have the full picture, I'm deceiving myself and then proclaiming bad judgment upon somebody. And so that curiosity is, how do I understand motivation? How do I get a bigger sense of the picture before I come in and pronounce judgment upon somebody that is going to only push them farther 
away as yep. opposed to showing that compassion and that empathy. Mm-hmm. Of, and it's going to push them far away from us because mm-hmm. they don't feel understood. Right. They don't feel, even if we are for them, they may not feel that way if, if we're not careful with our words. But the worst thing, back to what you were saying, JD, they'll feel far away from God. Yeah. And yeah. the problem with our society is not that they believe, you know, what is wrong is right. Like Paul says that in Romans. The problem is that they don't know Jesus. Mm-hmm. And once they get to know Jesus, then my eyes were opened. Wow, I don't need to, at first it was relief. I don't need to figure all this out. I can just submit to God's word and, and trust that his way is, is, is great. And then as I have experienced more life, I've realized, ah, I now understand why God says, do not do this, or this is not the best for you. He always wants the best for us. But yeah, if, if we push people away with judgment, then really that's keeping them from a relationship with Jesus, which is the only way that they'll be able to you know, see his ultimate goodness in all things. Yeah. And Jose, one thing you talked about yesterday that I'd love to expound on even more is just our posture when it comes to people and just having a humble posture. Because I think one thing that's evident just in our culture and just everything going on, that there can be so much disagreements. And again, another thought of the world is that we can't love someone that we disagree with. And so there's just so much that whether it's completely different culturally or politically or just just on all these different ranges and spectrums, how have y'all been able to navigate just even communicating with people? Because I feel like there's certain things that you say something, but I hear something different, or there's just all these assumptions that come into play. So, you know, kind of tagging off even just the humble posture, how do y'all kind of just on a practical level kind of just have deeper conversations with people that there is very little uh, to any kind of agreement on, on any, any issue? I take my lead from Bob Moss on this one. And he primarily, when I started asking him, started here seven, eight months ago, asking Bob how he does discipleship. How does he meet with people? And his main process is he just wants to be a really good listener. Mm-hmm. That he really wants to listen well to people. Because I think when we do a really good job of listening, not only do we just get the face value words, but you begin to see and understand the motivation or the stories or maybe even some hurt or some hangups and things that are happening behind the scenes that are that we don't get that full picture. And so if we become really good listeners, one, that people understand we care. And then two, there's so much to be learned through being a good listener. And that puts us in a position of humility, of valuing someone else as greater than ourselves, that we are not the ultimate authority on these things, and that we have something that shows someone else that we have something to learn from them. Yeah, that's so good. And to add on to that, JD, I'd say make sure that I need to make sure that I'm having those conversations in an appropriate manner. So social media is not the appropriate place to have a hard conversation when you already disagree with someone on certain thing, be it a you know philosophical uh, belief or an actual thing that you're dealing with in your life. Um, go to that person directly, meet in person if you can. Um, make sure to feel that person out. Eye contact is huge. We're humans. We're, we're meant to have that sort of interaction. Um, and technology makes us communicate more often and easier, but we lose how ineffective the in-person communication um, can be, especially as things get more tense and difficult. Yeah. 
That's really good. Um, I know there's a lot more we could camp out in as far as with this idea of bad judgment, but Jose, I'd love to kind of hear a little more on the the examples of good. You kind of yeah. have good versus bad and kind of, because again, I think just personally, a lot of judgment all in the negative connotation, but what are some examples of of having good judgment, especially when it comes to just the relationships around oh, us? Oh, we need good judgment now. I mean, there's so much... Uh, you know, stuff going around that not only is is not necessarily true, but it's just not that important. And we we we're, we're grabbing a hold of it as it is the the most important thing. And we're living in in the midst of such tense times. And so, I'm gonna be very simple here. The way that we have good judgment is we read the Word of God and we believe it to be truly true. If we are good, fervent Bible readers, we will we will hear and we will know God's heart for what really matters, what doesn't matter, what is uh, something that we cannot let go, what is something that yeah, we really can let go because we can trust God because we have you know this, this greater thing in, in common. So um, I think the word of God is, is the key. I have been so comforted from you know a pastoral sense that when I get up there, I'm not giving my opinions. I'm not giving my suggestions. Sure, I'm entering in, you know, a personal illustration and and I'm deducting these points from the passage. But man, my faith and and, and my confidence comes from the text, from the word of God. And the more we read, uh, I think the better uh, we will understand what what is, you know, not good, which we need to know. There's so much in life that we need to know is, is not good, not of God. I can even point to, if we look at church history, there's one instance that sticks out to me. So when you look at the history of the Reformation, Martin Luther goes on trial at the Diet of Worms and is told that if he recants what his state, his 99 theses, then he will still be a part of the Catholic Church. And he says, his statement, and I don't remember the whole quote, is that his desire that no one not even angels, nor popes, nor any earthly authority has the ability to establish articles of faith. And his conviction of that is that his conscience is captive to the word of God. And that statement, my conscience is captive to the word of God, Mm -hmm. is the thing that rings around in my brain over and over and over and over again, is that, quite frankly, my opinion doesn't matter. My feelings are valid, Mm -hmm. but they don't hold weight in what determines truth. My conscience has to be captive to the word of God. And that is where I will exercise good judgment. I love what you just said. Your feelings are valid, but they are not objective. Is that that how you put it? They're they're valid, but that doesn't mean that they're true. My my own feelings can be deceptive, and I don't. I wish I remembered what I said, but but it's (laughs) the (laughs) but it's my own thought of like I trick myself into believing all sorts of things if I am captive Mm -hmm. to my feelings, Mm -hmm. and that doesn't mean my feelings are wrong or bad. They're good. I'm feeling what I'm feeling, therefore it's true. But it doesn't mean that it's telling me the truth in that situation. And the reason why I love that is because that ties into Jesus's illustration of, 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 you know, taking the plank out of your own eye before, you know, Mm -hmm. noticing the speck or telling you, it doesn't say don't judge. No, he says, go ahead and and, and tell your friend, brother, sister about the speck. Uh, But first, take this personal responsibility and that's working out our feelings. Um, you know, our feelings can be a roller coaster sometimes and they do tell us what is going on inside, uh, mm-hmm. but that's not the ultimate truth, right? right? The ultimate truth comes from 
giving that over to God and then comparing it. Okay, where does God want me to be? What is his will for me in this situation? Um, and yeah, we need we need uh, that direction, I think, um, all the time. But it's more obvious now when there are more voices saying, nope, this is true, this is real, go this way. So both of y'all touched on the value of the word. I'm thinking about just someone that maybe is seeking to make better, I mean, just simply just seeking to make better decisions, just seeking that discernment. And so they hear you two and they're like, well, yeah, you're pastors. So you've got like the direct line to God or something like, you know, all the right answers, but how, how does someone grow in just their, their wisdom and their ability to make better decisions? You say the word of God, but what does that, what does that look like? Where could they read or look to kind of what are ways that, that y'all have just both personally been able to grow in your ability to, to make better decisions and decisions that are closer to the word of God or to the will of God, like Jose just said. Yeah, I'd go straight to 2 Timothy 3.16, which is an easy one to remember because we all know John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever will believe in him will not perish, but uh, inherit eternal life. 2 Timothy 3.16 is really the key verse for what the Bible is meant for. It says, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. So that is what the Bible is there for. So if we read the Bible as, okay, I'm looking for teaching. I'm looking to be corrected here. And also I'm looking to be trained in in righteousness. Then I think that allows us to absorb um, the word in, in, a, in a different manner. And a great place to start for me is the gospel of John, where it is more feely than the other, um, more emotional than the other gospels and full of the message of, of God's love through, throughout the gospel. Um, so I'd love JD to hear what, what you think. Yeah, absolutely. I think John is a great place to start. I mean, he is termed the evangelist. That is probably the most upfront presentation of the gospel in terms of a personal salvific nature comes through the gospel of John. And so that is a great place. And to piggyback off of what you were saying about second Timothy is all of us sitting around this table right now can still admit with confidence that we don't know or understand nearly absolutely close to what, what we would want. And so if you're somebody who's reading the Bible for the first time, you're saying, I don't get it. Us too, (laughs) us too. But what I know is that if I'm in it, that God is faithful. Mm -hmm. And there is, quite frankly, there's just no substitute for time. Mm -hmm. Time spent in the word, the longer that we're in it, the longer we seek to understand it, the more the Holy Spirit works in us and draws us and brings us into understanding. And so there's Mm -hmm. no substitution for time. The first time you read something, you never fully grasp what he's talking about. So spend time with it and don't be discouraged by the amount of time that it spends. Yeah, I mean, back to judge, judgment and when, you know, a great tool to use in relationships is curiosity. Same yeah. goes with the word of God. If, mm-hmm. it, if it is the word of God and we believe it to be true, then be curious about it because it's true. So seek and you will find. Ask, knock, uh, ask, seek, knock. So uh, we read those in these verses in Matthew 7. Same thing goes with the word. The more we are curious, the more we're 
wanting to know, the more he will reveal himself to us. That's good. Last question on the good side of judgment and discernment here. I read my Bible and there are certain life circumstances that just aren't in my Bible. So how do I navigate who to vote for? How do I navigate big decisions on whether I buy this house or do I buy this one? I mean, there's so many decisions we make that it may not be as clear and written Mm -hmm. out in the Bible. So how do you two make big decisions? How do you seek God's will in your life when it comes to kind of having to trying to judge rightly on what God wants you to do? Yeah. Well, that's a great question. I wish I had a one sentence answer and say, well, here it is. Um, But I I think that's up to the Holy Spirit and his timing and his faithfulness. Um, Being in the word, I think is the biggest thing in all circumstances because he is speaking. It is fully alive and applicable today, even though it doesn't talk about dating. For example, Bible never talks about courtship. It talks about uh, engagement shortly and then basically marriage. And so, well, what does that mean? Is dating, you know, not a thing or, or should I just get married? Should marriages be arranged? No, no. The, the point is, uh, as we are in the word, we will, we will see God move in every circumstance of our life. Yeah. And I would piggyback off of that and say, seek wisdom, mm-hmm. seek wisdom. And I, by that, you need to seek good wisdom mm-hmm. and we can all go talk to any, anybody and get an opinion. So choose wisely who you choose to ask and ask the right people and be willing to listen, but also be willing to disagree with them. Like we want to seek good wisdom. We want to seek good godly counsel, but that doesn't mean that they speak absolutely. And so Mm -hmm. take it, ruminate on it, take it back to the word, spend time in prayer with it, and you can come to a holistic decision. But don't, in seeking good wisdom, don't take someone's word as gospel truth. Yeah, yeah that's good. Um, in Matthew 18, Jesus is talking about conflict, this mm-hmm. tension. And at the end, he says, where two or three, where two or more are gathered, yeah. there I am. Yeah. And normally we say that as a verse to say we have quorum for the Holy Spirit to show up as we gather, be it in mm-hmm. a community group or a large group, or there's only three people at the beginning of uh, the nine o'clock gathering. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, <clears throat> but the reality is he's talking about, no, where two or three people agree on yeah. a certain way to yeah. manage conflict, there is confirmation there. And I do agree, JD, with you that there are some times when I do seek counsel and that may not be the way that God's calling us um, to live. At the same time, way more have been the the instances where I've seen biblically, biblical, mm-hmm. you know, counsel in, in, in the word and, and in people. And I have felt confirmation because it's come from different people. And that speaks to mm-hmm. the other living organism, which is the church, the body of Christ. He speaks through his people. So I love that you brought that up. Yeah. I love that too, because I think personally, when I think of like a wise counsel, I think of like an old man with a cane that's just sitting in the corner <laughs> or something. I don't have many of those. So, yeah. uh, but how often am I letting just the things that I consume disciple me, counsel me in ways that I don't even realize? So whether it's counseling me yeah. towards what success looks like mm-hmm. or counseling me towards, you know, the right way of doing things. And so I think even just something you brought up with wise counsel is this idea that we just need to be mindful of all the counsel that we're seeking out of things. Because if I've got a question, usually Google is the first place I go to to ask the question. And so I think that just making sure that we discern and make wise choices about who we allow into that mm-hmm. uh, circle and community groups and just wise counsel within the church is a great, a great first step with that. 
Jose, so much to cover here. I'd love to kind of give you the last word as we wrap not only this topic about judgment, but then also looking forward to next week. Oh, next week is going to be fun. We're looking at the four final scenes of the Sermon on the Mount, starting with uh, narrow is, you know, uh, broad is the way of destruction and, and narrow is the way to life. And that's um, a judgment that Jesus is saying. It is hard to judge uh, and live life uh, well God's way. But I think the key there is that he is with you all along. And we definitely want to be a church that walks alongside uh, one another gracefully, but pointing each other in truth. I love how Ephesians 4, uh, we didn't really go into this much yesterday, but another great passage on all of this, uh, talking about the purpose of the church. And one of the things is that we need to speak the truth in love. And I think as long as we do that, as long as we are for another person, as we uh, figure conflict out, then um, yeah, God will give us the grace uh, to have each conversation with salt. There is so much ugliness. There is so much disrespect and dishonor out there. There's no place for that in the church. We have this opportunity to lead as representatives of Jesus Christ in our communities uh, to, to show, hey, this is how you can actually it. You can love a person even though you may not agree with them. So looking forward to finishing up the series. All right. Hey, thanks everybody for listening to the Conversations podcast. If you have any questions that you want us to answer on the podcast, you can email us conversations at cypresscreekchurch.com. Also, don't forget to subscribe and share the podcast. Thanks for being here again, everybody. It was awesome. That's it for this version of the podcast. We will see you guys next time.